You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of The Kitchen. Times change. You do what you gotta do. From kids. Most employers don't want mothers. It's a competitive market. You don't know me. For money, you survive. Now might be the time. For what? For you. Our husbands have 24 months left on their sentences. Sorry, baby. This is the Irish mob, organized crime. We're gonna take care of you. You girls are gonna be just fine. We got no money. Can't even make the rent with what they gave me last night. They didn't want me in the family in the first place. 40 years we pay protection and we don't get nothing for it. They have been telling us forever that we are never gonna do anything but have babies. Bunch of men that have forgotten what family means. So we remind them. You're pretty, Mama. Pretty doesn't matter. It's just a tool women use. What? Anything we want. What do you want? We are gonna have crews everywhere. I can see you got brains, and I know you got money. But we got one thing that you don't. We got criminals. I told you we can't go around working for a bunch of women. You are not smarter than me. I will wipe you off the face of the earth. I don't want you to do it. I want you to teach me how to do it. Just to be clear, now we run this neighborhood. Step off my business. Baby, it's my business now. They're going to swallow this entire city. You go to war, there's no coming back. Alfonso Coretti wants to talk. If we go to Brooklyn, we're dead. What do you wear to something like that? You get dressed up? Are you kidding? What? God, I lost count again. <laughs> All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for The Kitchen, and the story is as follows. Between 8th Avenue and the Hudson River, the Irish Mafia runs 20 blocks of a tough New York City neighborhood known as Hell's Kitchen. But for mob wives Kathy, Ruby, and Claire, things are about to take a dramatic and radical turn. When the FBI sends their husbands to prison, the three women take business into their own hands by running the rackets and taking out the competition. The film is starring Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, Elizabeth Moss, Domino Gleason, James Badge Dale, Brian DeArcy James, Margot Martindale, Common, and Bill Camp. It is written and directed by Andrea Burloff. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Tom O'Brien. Hey, everybody. All right, everyone. So, The Kitchen. Is it fair to say Widow's Light? It's got a bit of a Widow's vibe to it, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Andrea Burloff uh, has been a writer for films such as World Trade Center and Straight Outta Compton, for which she received an Oscar nomination for. Uh, she is writing and directing this particular film. And I have to say, you know, heading into this movie last night, the movie's got a pretty bad Rotten Tomato score. The reviews are pretty low, all things considered. But one thing that we were talking about off air is that this is not what I would consider to be like one of the worst films of the year or anything like that. I think that this is a you know, classic example of the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes are mixed. And as a result, because it is a uh, binary good or bad review system, 
you get a lot of reviews that are in the you know bad territory, but they're not necessarily placed into good territory, and it kind of skews the rating a little bit. Uh, suffice to say, like kind of just making a point here, I went into this movie expecting it to be garbage, and I walked out just saying that it was okay, which I know is still not the highest praise in the world. <laughs> But at the same time, I think that because my expectations were so, so low for this, I actually walked out pleasantly surprised for the most part. Uh, But what did you guys ultimately think? Uh, Tom, I would like to start with you. What did you think of The Kitchen? Uh, I I had the same feeling. I walked out saying, you know, that wasn't that bad. Uh, But I I just see it as an enormous missed opportunity. Uh, I I was so encouraged by the fact that Andrea Burloff was – writing and directing this and the the chance to have a crime drama written and directed by a woman from that perspective just really got me. It's like, Oh my God, this is going to be wonderful. And then seeing the extra dimension of having two comedians, uh, play completely dramatic straight. Uh, I mean, I mean, Melissa can do this two Oscar nominations, one for a drama, but, uh, uh, Tiffany Haddish, I had, you know, the idea of seeing her in an overcoat and carrying it just seems so strange to me uh, that it's like, I got to see this movie. And the, the reviews were so bad. But I came out and saying, you know, just like you, Matt, it's OK. Yeah, yeah, Tom, I, I, I can understand what you mean by that, especially uh, considering that this is a pretty stacked cast all around where pretty much every main speaking part is somebody recognizable who has either led a movie before or has had uh, some notable uh, performances that they have given in the past. So I do think there is a lot of entertainment value uh, in the kitchen, actually. It just doesn't ever really seem to necessarily come together to formulate something that I would consider to be a quote-unquote great movie. Uh, But Josh, what did you think? Uh, Your review is the one that's written up there on the site. What are your thoughts on The Kitchen? Yeah, my thoughts are pretty much in line with what Tom said. I think that this is a movie that is not wholly together terrible, but it is very kind of mediocre and underwhelming and a bit bland. And I think a lot of that, unfortunately, has to do with the way that this film is constructed. And the story here just doesn't really have that much momentum to get you really invested in these characters and the world that it's created. And it's this weird thing where I feel like the beginning of the movie just rushes through so much stuff and you can't really orient yourself with where the story is going. And then it just kind of hits a wall where it just kind of crawls along. And that was kind of a frustrating watch for me and I was really disappointed in that because I love all of these actors and I think they do a lot to elevate this material but sadly they all just kind of come together for a film that never utilizes them to the best of their abilities and doesn't really get you invested in their stories unfortunately. The most unfortunate thing about this for me personally was I don't think that it's written poorly I actually don't think it's directed all that well. And here's where I'm coming from with this. The minute the movie opens, there's an apparent use of song choices that I think are pretty uninspired and exactly like what you would expect to hear in a movie like of this nature. Obvious. Right. And. I I think that right there was something that kind of made me roll my eyes a little bit too much. And then it kind of just from there started this chain reaction of, 
I feel like the storytelling in this is not nuanced and subtle, but extremely on the nose. And what is actually helping me throughout this entire story were the performances from the three leads. Melissa McCarthy gives another dramatic performance in this, uh, like she gave last year in Can You Ever Forgive Me? This is not a comedic performance by her in any way whatsoever. And I actually think that she is good in this. Tiffany Haddish, I'll be honest, and maybe someone else can point me in another direction here, but I've never seen Tiffany Haddish be this subdued before. (laughs) In fact, (laughs) I thought it was completely unlike her as a human being, and I've seen her in interviews and everything else that I've ever seen before. Yeah. So I've never seen her give a performance like this before, where she actually was intimidating and tough and strong and completely uncomedic. Yeah, she is really delivering something that we haven't really seen from her before. I do think that there are a couple moments where it does seem like she struggles just a little bit to kind of hit those very big dramatic notes. But for the most part, I think that she does really sell this idea of obviously this outsider woman who has married into this family, into this world that is very much against her. And knowing that she kind of has to work every single angle she can to survive, she does manage to pull that off extremely well for the most part. So I, I do give a lot of kudos to her performance as well. Indeed. And Elizabeth Moss, I think, also does a lot with very, very little or what I would consider to be a very, very thin character. It's, once again, kind of almost a uh, trope that we have seen a bunch of times before. I mean, we just saw it with Elizabeth Debicki last year in Widows. And I'm really, really sorry. I'm, the, the Widows comparisons are probably not going to stop from the uh, in this uh, review. Just like how, you know, one would compare Rocketman to Bohemian Rhapsody. It's just that these films are just too close to each other in some of the overlap here that it's almost inevitable that you have to kind of draw those comparisons. Um, But I will say that I didn't think anybody was like bad in this. I do think that the one actor that is actively awful maybe in this movie, though, is probably. uh, Oh, God, what the hell is his name? The guy who plays Jackie. In this? Oh, God, yeah, he's oh, bad. Yeah. Like, he has a scene where the, the where the ladies, like, come to him asking him for a little bit more money. And it is just the most over-the-top performance that completely, I, I just, I, I almost found it laughably bad yeah. uh, with how thick and heavy he was laying on the expletives and, like, the forcefulness of the dialogue. It was just too much. It, 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 it was the kind of Goomba part that uh, I was afraid the whole movie was going to be. And thankfully it isn't, but he... No, exactly. I I felt the same way, and I was like, oh, I hope that there isn't more of this to come, because Bill Camp hadn't come into the story yet, Domino Gleason hadn't come into the story yet, and I just was like, oh, God, please don't let, like, all these other characters, like, become this way, for the love of God. And luckily, he was the only one. In fact, you know, uh, putting on more praise onto the cast here, I think that Domino Gleason is doing really terrific work in this, like very underrated work, actually, that sadly, I, I feel like a lot of people are just going to take it for granted and they're not going to be able to, uh, you know, praise it like they should. And it's a small role. But once again, it's something that I feel like here's a guy who takes on so many different types of roles in so many different genres of movies. And this is just another example of like, I would not think to cast Domino Gleason in a role like this, but hot damn, he makes it work. <laughs> he does. And a, and a big shout out to the Bill Camp, that that oh. Coretti character. I thought, oh God, here comes another boss. And yep. this guy's interesting. 
I kind of yeah. liked him after the at the end. Of oh the yeah, day. I mean, Bill Camp is to me always a fascinating actor to watch, and he's one of my favorite character actors. And I always love seeing him in anything that he's in, and I think that he is definitely one of the highlight performances in this. He really gets the layers of like charm but villainy at the same time and it's not overdone he gets that combination just right and he's so great in the movie so then you also have common who i have to say nowadays whenever common shows up in a movie i'm always excited to watch him on screen i i don't know what it is about him but i think he just has a very magnetic screen presence about him unfortunately his character this fbi agent i think does absolutely nothing (laughs) This entire movie. (laughs) He doesn't have the material, and to waste an actor like that on that role was just kind of sad. I forgot about him at a certain point. (laughs) But somebody who does get a lot of uh, scenes in this movie and uh, has some uh, dialogue to chew up is the ever-fascinating, always-always-great Margot Martindale. (laughs) I got a a big kick out of her character in this one. She plays um, Kevin's mother, who's... um, played by uh, James Badge Dale, another underrated actor, uh, might I add. And so, you know, like the the common theme here is that the cast is great, I think, uh, outside of the one guy who plays Jackie. (laughs) And luckily he gets dispensed with uh, in this movie. Um, Spoiler alert. In another over-the-top fashion, though. And and then seemingly so does the rest of the cast. Uh, It seems like this movie was written from a standpoint of this movie is uh, too complicated. There's too much going on. What are we going to do in order to fix it? We're, we're just going to kill everybody. Just kill everyone. You get a kill and you get a kill and you get a kill. <laughs> and by the end of this movie, I just was like, shit, they're just killing everybody. Like, what's the point now? You know? And it happens at a moment where it just feels like, okay, what are we doing in this plot? Where should we be invested? What are we interested in? And that's really, I think, the major problem with the film is that these actors are really good, but the material just never gives you a reason to kind of truly invest in their stories. Yeah. I think that, I think that also the thing that hurts a lot is that the ending, the third act of this movie, I do think it's incredibly rushed. Yeah. Once one of the principal actors gets killed off, it's like the movie just has like a downward spiral where, like I said, it seems like the only way the movie knows how to solve a problem is to just kill the characters off. And one by one characters get killed off. And then you get to, the climactic scene where, all right, it's going to be this person or this person, which one's going to come out on top. We don't know. And then the movie just ends. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to see more fallout. And I, I, I just felt like, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that this movie is not like a two and a half hour film. It's 103 minutes long. So it does move at a clip, but that third act, I think needed to be fleshed out just a tad bit more in order to make the, rocky journey at points worth it it needed to really stick the landing and i feel that oh god i didn't even get to there's like a twist terrible with Awful. one character in this that i just was like wait what yeah I, I, I was like that too it's like wait a minute where's this coming from exactly there's what one shot and then they uh do an editing trick where they kind of go back to that shot and they reveal what that shot was really looking at yeah to kind of like tie it all together and i'm like nah nah we need more context we need more story like where was this written into the screenplay you know yeah it's kind of cheap well and the shot they refer back to is also so poorly staged that i didn't even know what i was necessarily looking at the first time exactly oh yeah that twist is awful it, it really is one of the low points of the film and it it, as you said man it signals this like 
rush to the end where suddenly we have no idea like where we are in this story and what things mean. And uh, it, it really goes back to, I think, the biggest problem with the film is just the storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it's very unfortunate because I, I don't want to be in that situation where, uh, you know, a female writer director. And yet I got to criticize what are, I believe, to be fundamental flaws in the movie here. And unfortunately, it's I don't think it's the cast problem. I think the cast were doing a lot with very, very little yeah. at times. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the fact that she is a Oscar nominated writer, you know, you know, she can write that script is straight out of Compton was terrific. And yeah. Where is that here? I think that it is there. I just think it's underdeveloped. I think that what we got was extremely surface level, but it's lacking in small little details and fleshed out character moments to really bring it home. I mean, there's, there's, I think there's a good sense in some places where there is a great sense of intimacy with the characters, and I did appreciate that, but it feels like the big picture element is what's really lacking here. And the way to take all these pieces together and put them in a cohesive way to me is what's really lacking about the story. And there's no, as I, as I said, momentum to go through this thing, to actually feel like we're developing with these characters and, and learning more about them and getting interested in the their rises and falls. All of that seems to be missing in this story for me. You know what I think it is actually, now that I'm thinking about it? I think that the film is at its strongest in the beginning when the story is small. Once the story starts expanding and all these other characters start weighing in and the scope of their uh, operation starts to expand and now you have all these other outside elements, I think that's where you do need an over two hour runtime to help tell that story. If you're telling a 103 minute movie, you need your story to be a lot more condensed in order to get those extra moments out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's no place where this movie breathes. Uh, they, mm. you know, we get right into the story right away. And um, by the time the plot development start, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know a lot about these characters. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You really don't get a full picture of who these women are other than just like very surface level things that unfortunately we've seen in a lot of other movies. And yeah. You, know, you mentioned about how this thing like starts right away. It really does. It it really felt to me like once we hit the half hour mark, we were already through like the husbands are arrested and they're trying to take over and they're rising and now they've hit uh, the bottom and now they got to climb up again. It felt like we were seeing like a whole movie condensed in 30 minutes just right at the beginning of the film. I will give the movie this too. Um, I actually was pretty shocked at times by the violence in the movie. Because the movie goes like long stretches without any violent moments. And then sometimes there are like out of nowhere gunshots to people that just like, whoa. Like as an audience member, I was like, okay, didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and extended uh, dismemberment scenes too. Yeah. Well, that's one of the best scenes in the film. I oh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that too. And also too, you, uh, you kind of get this like... You know, this reminder of just how easy it was to kill people <laughs> in New York. You can you can shoot somebody in the back of the head on the street littered with people. And as long as you just walk away instead of run, nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> this may be a small this may be a small thing, but I don't think it, they really did enough with 1978 New York. We have a 
an establishing shot on 42nd Street, which is very easy to do. You can put grease up on a marquee and you know when, when you know when and where you are. But you know the way the Deuce does it is really thorough, and uh, the costumes were okay, but not outstanding. Neither was the decor, and I, it just felt kind of generic. I will give. Uh... Maurice Alberti Vist, a cinematographer on this movie. This movie's got a very unique look to it, I I thought. I don't know if it was fitting at times, but in terms of like the neon lights of the city, like that that foggy kind of uh, colorful look at nighttime and matching that into the costume design of the characters and what they've chosen to go like kind of like with the marketing, with the color schemes uh, for this movie. I, I, I kind of dig that actually. Cause it, it feels at least different. I don't know if it necessarily works, but I admire them for trying something. Yeah. I, I think I would agree that the look does look a bit generic. As you said, Tom, it, it definitely captures the sense of the seventies in New York, but not to a really detailed way that they could have. Um, I think for me personally, this probably was helped a little bit though, by me seeing, Another movie this weekend that also took place in uh, the past, this one in the 60s, being Scary Stories We Tell in the Dark, that did not feel (laughs) at all like the time period. And I think maybe seeing those two back to back kind of did give this one a bit of an advantage of feeling more like the time period. And, you know, one of the best compliments I can pay to The Kitchen, actually, is that for a movie that I thought was going to be a lot worse than what it ended up being, I was never bored while watching it. I was never enthusiastic necessarily while watching it, but I also wasn't bored or constantly like rolling my eyes and, you know, uh, like it it wasn't like Serenity or Hellboy or, you know, other movies I've seen this year where it like actively like made me angry (laughs) or anything of that nature. It just was like I was stuck in the middle the whole time where okay, Melissa McCarthy is doing some interesting work here. This is starting to pull me out. And then I would, you know, have something with the screenplay. And like I said, like, there's like this twist that just completely like, oh my God. You know, there's like things that I just kept going back and forth on, back and forth all throughout. Like, I think everything they do with Elizabeth Moss's character in this movie is actually really interesting. But I feel that she as a character doesn't get enough to really explore that. And so it almost seemed like at times that I I, kind of like wanted to see a movie just specifically with that character almost. And uh, I could have seen a movie told from that entire perspective, the other characters taken out because I thought that it was very, very interesting how she undergoes like a complete transformation where the other two characters you, you kind of get the sense that they've always had this in them to be the people they end up becoming. But I thought Moss's transformation was one that was radically different. Yeah, she had by far the, the most interesting character arc. And, yeah. and Moss is an actress of such skill and quality that she could pull it off. Yeah, I know a lot of people view her differently because of the Scientology and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think that when it comes to just pure talent... Um, I think she's one of the most underrated best actresses we have working today. I mean, just check out her smell if you haven't, yeah. for the love of God. Yeah. She's incredible in that movie. Yeah, she gives my favorite performance in this movie. I think that she is really good and, like you said, has the best character arc, almost the closest thing to a character arc in this film. And I think it's a shame that the material doesn't really give her that much to do, but she makes the most of it, certainly. I think that she is 
like I said, to me, the film's best performance. And she's got good chemistry, I thought, with Domino Gleason. Yeah, she really yeah. like the two of them together really make an interesting pair. And like that could have been a movie all to itself, as you said. Matt. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. the most interesting storyline of the whole film, I think. I, I, I do feel like Brian uh, to R.C. James, that was another thing, too, that like his relationship with Melissa McCarthy, uh, when we get to like the third act, I just kept getting this sense of there's so much more there. That this story can explore. Yeah. There's so much more. Instead, they're doing the expected beats that one needs to tell considering the story and the genre, but they're not going deeper with it. And it was just really, really frustrating because he is a phenomenal actor who I feel has not been given when it comes to uh, screen performances. A, a really, really good opportunity, even in something like Spotlight. I just feel like he's always underutilized all the time. Which is a shame because that is a very interesting story between the two of them. Here is a a nice guy who's caught up in this uh, the craziness and doesn't. I, I suspect doesn't want to be there. But unfortunately, that's the the role he's expected to play. And mm-hmm. I think uh, James really communicates that very, very well. I mean, he's such a good stage actor. And you can tell, you can see the training there. And he just gives so much and you want to know more. And, you know, I think that in terms of, once again, like, talk about taking, like, you know, very, very little and translating a lot. He had, does have, like, I think two scenes in the movie where he does adequately explain, like, how demasculated he gets due to... um Melissa McCarthy's like rise to power within the community. And I just remember like thinking this is very, very interesting stuff to explore. Uh, But instead, it's just the character states it and there's no diving deeper into it. It's just, uh, all right, we've said it and it's out there and the audience knows that that's what the characters are thinking. But we're not going to like ruminate on it and we're not going to uh, do anything more with it. And oh, oh, that that person's dead. Okay. (laughs) And it's it's a shame because. That like final scene between him and uh, Melissa McCarthy is really well done. Like they're both giving it their all in that scene, and they're got they got really great performances that you're seeing on the screen. But it is like you're watching them play out this moment, and we just really didn't have the building blocks necessary to really be invested in what's going on. Yeah, every I mean, it's funny the entire film. I was sitting there thinking. God, this doesn't work, but they're good. And it's yeah. two hours of their good. And it, it was it's really kind of frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to beat a dead horse to death. Um, I've kind of run out of uh, stuff to say at this point. So I'll pass it over to the final thoughts. Uh, Josh, anything that we did not talk about in regards to the kitchen that you want to bring up? Um, I think we've kind of said most of it. It's this cast that really does most of the heavy lifting to compensate for a story that really isn't all that great. Uh, I think the only thing else that I would say is that um, Donald Gleese is pretty hot in this movie, and that was very unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Tom? Well, there's that. <laughs> um, uh, but I would love to see that Margot Martindale character in an FX series. I think that'd be great. <laughs> And then she could win another Emmy. That's <laughs> to add to her two shelves fill. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't want, like I said, I don't want to repeat myself. So uh, I think the general consensus here is good cast, something maybe to watch at home, uh, minimal investment, 
It's not going to change the world, unfortunately. Not going to light anything on fire. I hope that this doesn't derail, though, uh, Andrea Berloff's uh, career. And I really, really hope that, you know, there's a, there's a way that, you know, somebody can recognize that there is still something there, obviously. And then, you know, she can get more projects uh, green greenlit. Because I do think that she has proven her chops before, and there's no reason why I think that this should be considered a a career killer by any means. So no, because like here's you said, to hoping. It, it's not a terrible movie, and I think that's the frustrating thing that we kind of have with this movie is there's a lot of things that show potential for something really interesting, and the movie just unfortunately never capitalizes on that, and feels like it just relies on its cast to make you interested in what's happening when the story just never really does that on its own. Yeah. I got to get I got to give credit to to the fact that like in terms of her writing credits, it's it's just very interesting to me. So like she has World Trade Center in 2006, then straight out of Compton in 2015, Bloodfather with Mel Gibson, Sleepless with Jamie Foxx, and now this. So mm. there's a crime screenplay in there somewhere. Uh, in her mind that is going to make it to the screen one day. And I know that we're all going to be blown away by it. And it's going to happen at some point, I'm sure. Because like, as we said before, Straight Outta Compton is really, really well written. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that there is something in there uh, that hopefully some executive somewhere will realize, you know what, this was just a one-off thing maybe. And, you know, here's a chance for you to make this ever movie. And, you know, hopefully. Fingers yeah, crossed. the amount of times men get those kinds of chances, she can get that too. That that's exactly the point. Exactly. I really hope yeah. so because she's she, clearly from straight out of Compton. She's got really something to give to us. Mm-hmm. Josh, great. Uh, I land at a five out of ten, which is to me the definition of you know mixed, but kind of on the negative side. Not terrible, but not unfortunately all that great either. Tom, I echo Josh. I might put it at a four uh, I gosh this was one I wish was better than it was uh, I'm at a five as well uh, like I said the biggest thing that this movie had working for me was that I was entertained by it throughout even though there were some questionable story decisions or some moments of like rush directing that didn't allow for this story to play out as well as I was hoping it would and you know some, a part of that also maybe comes down to you know what what is the identity of this movie does it want to be a serious awards like crime drama or does it want to be just an entertaining studio crime drama and i think the movie tries to have it both ways at times and i think that's where it gets a little messy as a result because you're starting to get like this juggling act then of tone and efficiency and like the storytelling and it kind of like skirts on by a lot of stuff but then you have like these really really dramatic moments where these actors are really really bringing it and you think to yourself man with a slightly better story and a clearer sense of direction. Like this could have been, this could have been another widows, yeah. you know, something actually like really, really great of substance, you know, but instead um, I think it plays maybe to just a wider, I think it plays to a wider audience. I know my screening for this was completely packed. It wasn't a seat in the house that wasn't uh, empty actually for it, which I was, uh, you know, kind of surprised by because movies, uh, movies like this uh, don't really tend to like, draw a crowd and by movies like this i mean like these serious crime dramas so i gotta like maybe attribute that to the cast that's involved they're probably the ones that are bringing people to the theater so i don't know i don't know what the ultimate fate of this movie is going to be in the end all i know is that 
there were times where I think when it was like exceedingly violent and the story was taking like interesting directions in terms of the characters, like it was definitely an entertaining watch for sure. But then when the movie was trying to lay on its uh, themes a little too heavy and then skirting on by uh, moments that needed deeper exploration that it just started to fall apart. And God, God help me. I still don't understand some of those twists in the third act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty rough. <laughs> no Oscar potential. No, no. Alrighty. Welp, Josh, where can I find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. Tom, where can they find you? And I am at Twitter at, at Thomas E. O'Brien. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of The Kitchen here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate your feedback. Rate us five stars, only five stars. If you're not going to rate us five stars, just don't review us at all. And then head on over to Patreon for a $1 minimum a month. You can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And we shall see you all next time.